Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 477. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsor thank you goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens, that's longfield-gardens.com. Quick announcement before we get started. Last week, we promoted a giveaway for one VIP pass to the Flurvana Virtual Summit Holiday Edition, taking place online this week through today. The winner is a podcast listener and aspiring flower grower, Jenny Hulbert, a wellness coach and host of the Wild Wellness Podcast. Congratulations, Jenny. And thank you to Sean Michael Foley of Florvana for that donation. If you're interested in grabbing your own VIP all-access pass to the conference, I've shared the link in today's show notes. You'll enjoy more than 25 floral design and business presentations, including my new session called Taking Stock, Writing Your 2020 Year in Review and 2021 Forecast with Creative Intent. And guess what? We have another course giveaway today. Our guest today, Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers, is giving away a complimentary registration to her new online workshop, Growing Your Business with Local Flower Sourcing. Ellen's six-week course begins January 4th, 2021, and the course value is $495. This is a generous giveaway. For listeners of this podcast, be sure to make a comment in the show notes blog post at deboraprinzing.com for episode 477 and tell us one of your favorite ways to source locally grown flowers. All comments posted by midnight Pacific time on Sunday, November 8th will be entered into a random drawing for Ellen's course. And for everyone else, click on the link I'll share to sign up for notifications when that registration opens, which only goes from November 16th to November 20th. I'm excited for the winner already. Election Day in the U.S. is coming up in just six days, and I've been wowed by the creative gestures of floral activism from our Slow Flowers members across the country. I've invited one of those members to share what she's doing in her community as a bonus interview. Let's jump right in and meet Sarah Wagstaff of Suat Farm and Flowers in Burlington, Washington. Hey, I'm 
so excited to have a bonus interview today, and it's with my friend Sarah Wagstaff, and Sarah owns Suat Farm and Flowers in Burlington, Washington, which is halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, BC, I would say. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for jumping on the line with me. And that's about right. I'm placing you on the map correctly, right? Yep. Yep. You got it. Okay, great. Well, we kind of know each other through personal friendship, too, because your mother-in-law and I were horticultural society buddies forever. So shout out to Dawn for bringing you into my life and introducing us. Um, I'm super lucky to have both of you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's fun to see what you're doing. And thanks to Instagram, I see what you're doing every day because you post a lot. Um, (laughs) And can you first of all describe Suat Farm and Flowers? Like, because you have a hybrid business, it looks like. Sure. So I grow a number of different cut flowers and foliages, grasses, seeds, vines, pods, all kinds of different cool crops, anything that um, piques my interest mostly. (laughs) And uh, I have been selling wholesale for a while, but with the transition and shift of the world and COVID, (laughs) then I've, um, and also the purchase of a property nearby to where we live, I've transitioned into doing quite a bit more um, kind of, I guess it would be retail floristry. So uh, daily and weekly deliveries. And, um, we put up a farm stand this summer as a way to move product and be in physically in our community. Right. And, right. um, so yeah, you, it's been a wonderful space. So you're a farmer florist now, lady. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this year in particular, obviously has forced a lot of change on you. And it sounds like you're just really adept at, at, I hate to use the word pivot, but adapt at, at kind of adept at changing and seeing opportunities and and just jumping on them and um, like becoming someone who does local deliveries. That wasn't in your game plan originally, was it? Well, I would hardly call it force. I feel like pivot is a great word. I I you know I think in any instance we're reactionary and proactive with the choices that we make mm-hmm. in any, any portion of our lives, whether that's a financial portion or a personal values portion. But, um, yeah, I feel super blessed to have resources that have allowed us to pivot and, um, continue to provide flowers for our, for our community. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, Bur- and your community being Burlington, about how big is that is your community? It's, it's, I, I don't even know how big the town is or city. It's a small city, right? Oh, great. <laughs> totally putting me on the spot. I did not research how many. No, uh, that's okay. Well, I know. Yeah, I would say um, I consider our area to be Skagit. And so that includes a number of different cities, Burlington and Mount Vernon, Bow and Edison, Anacortes, Laconner, um, yeah. Cedar Woolley. We have we have a number of different communities here. I'm sure I'm leaving out some yeah. awesome cities that that need to be mentioned. But um, my husband is a city councilman, so he would probably <laughs> <laughs> wag his finger at me not knowing how many. But I think we have I don't know like probably seven thousand residents. So it's a small town, but the the Skagit Valley region yeah is quite quite yeah. a bit larger than that. That's and right. Spans a lot of demographic area. Yeah. Well, I forgot your husband ran for city council successfully. That's cool. He is an awesome guy. And that's on the Burlington City Council. True. Wow. Yes. Um, well, I was also going to say 
there's a lot of traffic coming and going in through Burlington because it's close to a lot of major uh, highways and and interstates. So maybe that's why you're more visible with what you're doing as well. I mean, you you have this property that you're using as your billboard. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I think specifically the region that we're in is just perfect. (laughs) I hate to use that word, but it is so well suited for growing things, anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have such a temperate climate with the ocean nearby. And then we have the mountains just to the east of us that drop all of the moisture here in this fertile, you know, Delta Valley where a river flows right through. I mean, it's pretty idyllic. And so to grow anything is almost too easy. And um, (laughs) we're so, so blessed. With with an amazing growing climate. And so there are a number of flower growers and food producers and seed producers in the valley. So yeah, we, we are super, mm. um, yeah, blessed in that regard. Mm-hmm. But we do have our, our um, the site where my studio is specifically is on Highway 20 and pretty close to I-5 and close to two train lines. <laughs> wow. So we have all of the traffic and Burlington is actually nicknamed Hub City because it's kind of like uh, the, the uh, what are those called? Spokes of a hub, yeah. all meeting in the center yeah. where a bunch of different um, transportation lines converge. And so since we have this spot, I felt like it was our responsibility to be stewards of this place and really um, express how we, how we are going to do that hmm. and, and what is important to us and what we feel like is important to the place. So this property is where your studio is, and there's a uh, a lot. I mean, I haven't physically seen it; I've just seen it online. But it's a it's just a tall, very long fence facing a high thorough high traffic thoroughfare. Correct. Right. It runs the length of the property, which is the long side of the property, and um, it's very public facing and was completely overgrown and filled with rubbish and garbage and to go containers and Blackberry. And when we bought the property, I have been slowly uh, renovating it and restoring it to something that's useful and beautiful and can give back to the, to the place and to the community and hopefully, you know, pay homage to ancestors that lived on this land. Mm. So now you've got this giant blank fence and you decided to embellish it with um, floral (laughs) messages. (laughs) What is what is hanging yeah. currently? This is kind of timely because obviously the election election day is coming up. Sure. It's October right now of 2020. It's still 2020. I don't know if you guys can believe that. But um it is October and um I really felt like it was important to talk about uh what we want our future to look like. Mm-hmm. And um so I just put a message that says very clearly with flowers and then the backdrop is greenery that says vote. So just four letters and it spans probably 40 or 50 feet. It's a big, long open fence. Right. So the V, the O, the T and the E are each kind of florals spelled out in in flowers and foliages. And uh, roughly how tall are those letters? Is that an eight foot fence? Uh, the, the, the fence is, um, yeah, about seven feet, I would say, are the letters. Wow. There's a little, yeah, a little wow. bit at the top and a little bit at the bottom. It's pretty impactful. And um, just to see it on a, a little video that you fil- posted on uh, Instagram, um, but I'm wondering when people drive by, what, what are you observing? I mean, is there a stoplight there? Are people you know, going at, by at 60 miles an hour or are they able to slow down and, and sort of take it all in? 
So there's no stoplight and it's a state highway, but the, since it's going through a residential area right here and there's a, a train crossing traffic mm. slows. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say people are going by between 25 and maybe even 40 if they're speedy, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but they can't miss it. Yeah. It's, it's the set, you know, it feels like it's the broad side of a barn. It's pretty large and it is colorful and floral. So it stands out amidst the other things in the landscape. Um, and so uh, often as I'm out there working or, you know, mowing, especially when we were working on the installation, people will drive by and honk or wave or say, Hey, that looks awesome. Or, you know, their solidarity, which is wonderful. We've, I've had multiple times people roll down their windows and say, that's pretty cool. And I'll turn around and ask, Hey, do you want to help? There's plenty of flowers here. And people have pulled over and stopped and spent 20 minutes, an hour flowering and hanging up, you know, I call it putting my, putting my compost on the fence, but, um, (laughs) these are live, these are, these are live flowers that have recently been cut. And so they're just beautiful. And, um, it really makes a a difference and they last surprisingly long out of water, just hung through some netting that's on the fence. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask just a little bit about the, the the mechanics of it all because, um, it's vertical. So it adds another layer of trickiness to mounting things. You're using netting that's like stretched on the fence. Yeah. So earlier in the year I did the first one and that just said BLM for blacks, black lives matter. And, um, I wasn't sure the weight of the flowers, if it would take down my fence. (laughs) So I had some hog paneling, just metal grid hog paneling that was, uh, behind some stain netting. So the hog paneling was at an angle leaned up against the cedar fence. And then I stretched stain netting uh, and tied it, secured it to the top rail, and then uh, maybe one or two other um, points of connection contact. points along, mm-hmm. yeah, with zip ties. And after the first one, I realized I don't think that the hog paneling was necessary. The same net is pretty durable and can haul quite a few fish <laughs> at a time. So as long as I had secured it to the fence, okay, it would definitely hold the weight of a ton of flowers. That's and, so cool. Um, yeah, so they the grid on the seine is fairly small and acts kind of like chicken wire or um you know the mechanics that you'd use in a floral arrangement yeah. and so you just um weave the stems in and down and it, the head kind of holds them and counterweights this the weight of the stem on the backside. Oh, so they're not popping out. They're kind of they have a couple points that are tacking or you know ba- tacking down that base. Right. And then the back of the fence kind of holds the stem in place as well. Sure. Wow. Well, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter installation, the BLM, which, of course, those letters were about the same size as the vote letters. So um, I'm, I know they you were sh- even larger since there's only three of them. They were substantially larger, but we didn't do a backdrop. Mm-hmm. And so um, those also contrasted really well against the light color of the fence. And then we did a red, white and blue lettering with the BLM. I, I know I remember you shared that and we I I can't remember if we did a blog post or something maybe in an article I have to go back and find that because I want to share that with people because that was uh, it was uh, again from the heart just just uh, you were just moved to express your values or your feelings or you know just support uh, with what you had a fence and a bunch of extra flowers. Yeah. And I wanted to thank, there's so many people that also dropped off and donated flowers from their own gardens that felt like they wanted a a way to support and to show solidarity. And 
compassion for people that have lost their lives unnecessarily. Mm. So that, uh, in a way, that kind of was your introduction to your floral activism in your community. And so people who saw that a couple months ago probably weren't surprised when when a new message appeared this week or earlier this week, right? Yeah, I feel like we, I've, I've, it's always been important to me to share what I believe with other people. I think that's kind of the point of being together on earth and mm-hmm. having community. But um, yeah, with that giant, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a billboard for us to be able to spread and share and um, communicate with others. That's wonderful. Things that are important to all of us and things that, that matter and affect everybody. Mm-hmm. Have have for both with the BLM and the vote uh, messages. Do you, have you generally had? It sounds like positive response from people you know, obviously like clients, and then complete strangers. I feel like that. I've in general, I'm a positive person, and I'm trying to look for the good in in people and in the world. Um, but I have heard so many honks and so many waves and so many people stopping people have left little notes and said, Hey, thanks for doing that. Or messaged me later and said, I thought that was really cool that you did that. Or like I said, tons and tons of people have stopped and have helped flower or, or have dropped off flowers later. Well, I was, I think that that physical act of, of, you know, even placing a flower in a, in a message, it, it there's so much sense of okay I'm I am part of a community and I am one person but I can I can speak out and I can show I don't know share my beliefs and and feel like I'm doing something you know it may not it may not be an epic gesture but it's it's a gesture that that will change people's hearts I think I think that's so true and I think the reason that it is is not because it's epic it's so primal. It's a mm. connection with uh, something that is so much larger than ourselves. It is a connection returning us back to the land, back to nature, back to, you know, the the control that we don't have. <laughs> They're reminding <laughs> us how small we are when this little flower can survive and grow despite all odds <laughs> and live after its head has been decapitated and continue <laughs> to live and, and provide beauty and joy to others when it's hung on the fence. I mean, it is just truly a, a meditation of, um, yeah, a reminder of how small we are, but how long lasting our impacts can yeah. be. And that, that back to that resilient message of the year. So I want to just thank you for of our lives. Yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> and <does. laughs> I, I think that maybe what you can do in Jan- on January 1st is put a 2021 up there and be like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, except for, of course, the your botanical ingredients will be a lot different in January than they are now. Have you had your first frost yet? Not yet. Okay. So typically, I it, on the forecast, it's for, let's see, today's Friday. So it should be tonight. But the spot that we live and grow in is pretty protected by a hillside and a number of huge native cedar trees. And so I have found the past six or seven years, we're about three weeks later than everyone else in the surrounding mm-hmm. areas that's out in the flats or mm-hmm. that's closer to the water. Mm-hmm. We're in this little sheltered area. So I cut a bunch of dahlias yesterday in preparation just in case. But um, crossing my fingers yeah. that we might have another another couple weeks. Oh, that'd be great. I hope that for you. I hope at least uh, the vote message will remain uh, until election day. But we still have about ten days to go. So 
when people hear this, it will be um, October 28th, and it'll basically be six days to election day. So I'm so really- it is. Yeah, it is an ephemeral thing. It's, you know, perishable product that's um, out in the elements and exposed to all of the weather, <laughs> freezing sun, rain, all of those. Um, but with the last one and with this one, I intend to leave it up as long as possible, as long as it's not doing a disgrace to the message that it's, yeah. um, that it's promoting. But with the last one that we did this spring, um, the, so quite a few of the flowers actually dried in place mm. and I reserve, reserve those and save those for a project that we'll be doing oh. later. Oh, neat. So I have right now on my desk, I have a ton of the roses that just dried on the fence that I've saved and Oh, that's pretty cool. That's sweet. Cool reminder that we live on even even after our life ends. Right. And Sarah, um, you also mentioned when we chatted a couple days ago that you have a few buckets of flowers that are at, at the base of the of the fence. So if somebody does happen to pull over and and come out to look at it, they'll be able to pick up a flower and add it to your installation. Oh, please. Yes. It is a community project that anyone is welcome to participate in and that needs no introduction and no um, explanation. You just take a flower and stick it in the fence. If it falls off, try again. Uh, You can kind of do like a little weaving like you practice in kindergarten under, over, under, over. Uh, But it's just find whatever speaks to you and find uh, the beauty and you can kind of see what needs to be green and what needs to be floral. And if you want to mix and match those, that's also fine. Oh, I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. However you want to participate is just great. And there are some buckets there. If it does frost, uh, it'll be a little more challenging, but yeah. then still you'll, beautiful. You'll add that cedar bough or something like that. Uh, can you just say the location uh, and uh, we'll put a, we'll try, I'll try to put a detail in the show notes uh, for today's episode so people can find it, but it's on Highway 20. And what yep. is, what in- is, What's the intersection? The cross street is the cross street is Cherry Street, like a cherry tree, and the address is three twenty nine North Cherry Street in Burlington, Washington. And there's some blue signs that say "Go this way," <laughs> and you're welcome to park right in front of the building that looks like it's a floral studio and see the fence. So just stay safe and um, make sure to give yourself some space off of the road that you're not impeding traffic or putting yeah. yourself in harm's way. Yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that. You're, you, you said you're going to have it photographed. So I know you have a couple great iPhone photos you shared with me, but we'll, we'll get the images out there at some point. Thank you so much, Deborah. I really appreciate the message that you share about inclusivity and equity. And I think that's important that uh, nature reminds us of that. We're, none of us are exempt from the spring and fall and summers and winters of life. And we all go through them and we all experience them. And so being able to share that with each other and remind each other that we're all temporal, <laughs> it's really important. And mm. I think honors each other's spirit. So. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Sarah. This indeed has been a year in which I'm acutely aware that my business, career, and personal acts need more meaning to reflect my values. Check out photos of Sarah's floral vote message in today's show notes. I hope you find it as encouraging as I do. Okay, let's jump right in to today's wonderful conversation with Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers and Lisa Ziegler of The Gardener's Workshop. 
Both women are past guests of the Slow Flowers podcast, so I've added links to their earlier appearances in today's show notes. And full disclosure, the Gardner's Workshop is a financial supporter of Slow Flowers, and we consider its founder, Lisa Ziegler, an important partner in furthering our mission in the Slow Flowers movement. When Lisa told me she had recruited Ellen to create an online business course to help florists learn her unique flower sourcing approach, I knew this was an important topic for the Slow Flowers community, and I've asked them to talk about their project today. Here's a bit more about Ellen Frost. Ellen Frost loves flowers. Even more, she loves owning and operating a flower studio, which exclusively sources local flowers. Ellen founded her company, Local Color Flowers, in 2008 as a part-time wedding floral business to provide Baltimore-area couples a more sustainable flower option for their celebrations. Over the past 12 years, Ellen has grown Local Color Flowers into a thriving business, adding floral design classes, corporate events, subscriptions, and retail as well as creative social and educational community events, all using 100% locally grown flowers. Ellen's business is a vital contributor to Baltimore's local economy and a vibrant community resource. Here's a bit more about Lisa Ziegler. What began as a small cut flower farm producing for local markets has grown into so much more. Lisa has become a leader in the cut flower growing industry as an author, accomplished speaker, teacher, and the owner of The Gardener's Workshop. She's the author of Cool Flowers and Vegetables Love Flowers. In 2018, Lisa began creating online courses to share her programs and knowledge. This style of teaching, with its convenience, cost-effectiveness, and lifetime unlimited access, has proven to be another wonderful educational tool. In 2019, embracing technology even further and building an amazing in-house administration and support team has allowed Lisa to produce online courses for others. Lisa's farm, known as the Gardener's Workshop, is still a small market flower farm growing 100% outdoor field-grown crops and also an online garden shop. The online store sells the same seeds, tools, supplies, and seed starting equipment that Lisa uses, as well as signed copies of her books. Lisa's simple, instructive, and delightful gardening messages are reaching far beyond any expectations she ever had. Let's jump right in and get started. And please join me in welcoming Lisa and Ellen. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And I've got two returning guests today. This is really fun. I want to welcome Ellen Frost of Local Color Flowers from Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Ellen. Good morning. Hi. It's great to Happy see to you. Happy to be here. Yeah. And of course, another good friend, Lisa Ziegler of the Gardener's Workshop from Newport News, Virginia. Is that where you are, Lisa? Wow. I can't believe it. It is. I can't believe I got that. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Lisa's been on more recently talking about her books and her new online uh, school that she's running. Um, Ellen, I think it's you were an early guest, so mm-hmm. welcome back. I'm really excited for people to hear what's going on at Local Color Flowers. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so you guys are collaborating on um, a new course that Ellen is teaching for the Gardener's uh, Workshop online school. And uh, I think before we jump into talking about what that is, uh, Lisa, can you just give everyone kind of an overview of what's happening with 
it, it started with one little course that you did, and now it's sort of you're like the principal of the high school or something. <laughs> <laughs> hadn't quite thought of it that way before, Deborah. That's a great description. That yeah. is a good description. But, but not Jane Lynch. Like, you're the nice principal. <laughs> so, yes, um, I launched my first online course back in 2018 and just saw so much opportunity. And, of course, I hung out with the right folks, the leaders, the movers and the shakers in the flower farming industry. And, just people that had such deep and wide experience and knew that this was just a great way for them to reach even more people. And once I did it and saw how complex it is to actually build and support and market and get a course out, I knew that most of my friends would never go that path. So we kind of went into the business through the back door of producing courses for other leaders in the industry. And it's just, it is the most exciting thing I've ever done. You know, I I love flower farming, but this is a whole different opportunity and just touching people all over the world in a very different way. And, you know, we're basically offering a lot of different ways for people to build a flower-based business. Mm -hmm. And Lisa, that is such a natural progression because when you've, when you did launch uh, flower farming school online. I think you've renamed it, but when that first came out in 2018, it was complex. And I thought to myself, she'll never do this again, but you didn't, you, you've done it again, but with other instructors so that you're, you're not having to, you know, you're having to come up with all these topics. You're finding the experts to teach the topics in their field, but it's all aligned. They were all related to each other. Right. My real goal, you know, I taught the, the basic flower farm in school. And then my students were like, hey, we want to grow perennials and woodies. Well, of course, Dave Dowling, you know, was first to my mind. He was our first instructor. And then people said, I wanted to do weddings. How can we do that? Where do we go for that? And one thing just led to another. And that led us to Jenny Love for flower, <clears throat> sorry, farmer florist school. Um, and then, um, then even more opportunities um, in how people can actually participate in the local flower scene without actually being a farmer. Because not everybody, I don't understand why, not everybody wants to be a flower farmer. <laughs> well, But they want to be in that crowd. Yeah, they I want to I wanna hang out with flower farmers, but yeah. that's about <laughs> the limit of my skill set. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but that is just, that's another piece of the pie. We need to build this, you know, I feel like I'm, building a stairway for people to be able to progress, to scale their business, to build their business beyond. And like people like me, I mean, I've been doing it for 23 years, I think now. It's like, okay, I'm backing off of the laborious flower farming part of it, doing something else. And I just Mm -hmm. love sharing those building blocks Mm -hmm. with other people. Mm -hmm. I just want to comment on uh, two things and then we'll jump to Ellen. It seems like you're really um, recruiting uh, and inviting the the people who are at the top of their game and can share their knowledge because they're teaching what they know, which is supposed to be the most authentic way of teaching. So congratulations on that. And, you know, I wasn't going to talk about COVID, but let's just say none of us can travel to these conferences and workshops right now. So who's filling the void? Yeah. And you're delivering content that's new and in, in demand uh, into people's, you know, offices and on their on their iPads. So it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, for once, I feel like I was ahead of the wave. 
you know, we actually started building this and, and doing it before the need became even more intense as it is now. And because um, it's a lot of working parts, moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, it's just a wonderful way to learn for no, anyone that's never participated in an online course. The fact that you get to go back and watch stuff over and over a year later, two years later, as your business grows and develops it's, it is the, it, the value is be, is priceless. Mm. I mean, that is truly, um, mm-hmm. that's part a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. I ha- hadn't thought about that. Otherwise we're like frantically taking notes in the live presentation yep. and then that's yep. it. Okay. Well, so how did you, uh, com- I mean, I know, you know, Ellen Frost because you're both active in ASCFG and you've known each other for years. How did you, uh, approach Ellen and rec- or where did the idea come from to have Ellen teach? Because I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea and the course is meeting a need that I see all the time. Well, I have this little black book and in that little black book are people that when I was, you know, I traveled and did so many conferences and talk speaking, whenever I would hear somebody with a great message that was a great deliverer, I would just write it in there. And Ellen, um, I think I spent probably two hours chewing her ear off one day in a, in the, um, at a hotel lobby telling her you need to, this is before online courses, you need to do a book. You need to do something. What you're doing is what most people dream that a flower shop is about, but it's not, we know that it's not that way for the conventional flower shop. Anyway, so when we got to this next step, it was like Ellen is the next natural step to like reach. I just think it's what the future of a flower, the flower industry is. Mm, Yeah, I would definitely say that. So Ellen, let's get you in on this conversation. You've listened to us talk about you. So now now you can have the mic. (laughs) I have to say, though, Ellen and I met a l- really early on when I started writing about uh, Slow Flowers, and um, I, you are a unicorn. What, what El- I echo what Lisa said. You're doing it the right way that is so admired, and so many people want to know your secret sauce. So um, the course that you're going to be teaching is, what is it? It's called Growing Your Business with Local Flower Sourcing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. How did you kind of shape this course, Ellen? Is it? it I'm sure you have all these, you know, all this know-how in your brain and how did you translate it into a course? Yeah, well, what I think originally the idea was, you know, we have 13 years, we've been in business 13 years, 13 years of experience doing a very specific thing, which is sourcing our flowers locally for all of the things that flower shops do, weddings, events, classes, subscriptions, single orders. But what makes us different is that we are sourcing 100% local. And so we always thought that this model was great. It was successful for us. It was super fulfilling for us. But because we um, intentionally kept our business local, our audience was local. (laughs) I mean, we are not a national you know, nationally known company or flower shop, we have really focused our attention on our local community. And so when Lisa and I first talked, to me, it was like the perfect partnership because we had a lot of information that we thought we could share and we just didn't really have a way to share it. 
um, right. a mechanism to share it. Right. I mean, other than like your social media channels and your newsletter and that sort of thing, which I'm a subscriber, yeah. so I see that. But most but people... the audience, but most of our audience is, you know, people in Baltimore who buy flowers. Mm -hmm. Most of the people who follow us on social media or um, who subscribe to our emails, they're they're what we call our flower people. Yeah. They're, you know, our, our target market. Yeah. And so we don't have a lot of florists following us or flower shops following us in St. Louis or right. in Arizona right. or, you know, anywhere else. We wouldn't have the reach that Lisa has. Yeah. And so for us, it was like the perfect match. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of the logistics of it. And then we really believe that um, sourcing locally can work for most florists, even if it's not 100%. And this is a lot of what the class is about. It you know, it's really starts off thinking, well, I want to source some flowers locally. Maybe that's 5%. Maybe that's only for weddings. Maybe that's only in the summer. You know, you can sort of tailor it to your location, your business model, your needs. Um, so this is a class for, I think, a wide range of florists and floral designers and farmer florists. Um, it's not, it has never been our intention to say um, it's all or nothing. Right. If you don't follow us a hundred percent, then you're not doing it right. Or you're not um, participating correctly. You know, this could be for people who want to source American grown or people who source most of their flowers, you know, conventionally from overseas, but want to start building a local flower sourcing mechanism within their company. Ellen, this is really important. I think you've, you've tapped on the core uh, objection that I hear all the time from, you know, I'm in the, you know, writing for Florist Review, I'm encountering a a population of florists who don't think like you uh, mm -hmm. because they've been following the, I, I don't know if it's fair to say, the mainstream model, like go to the sure. wholesaler, buy off the floor, pick by whatever suits your fancy, but mm -hmm. no origin labeling is, that's not even on your radar. Anywhere, no. So this thing that is happening, and which I, any florist is asleep if they don't see, but it's happening on Instagram, like the celebration of the flower farmer, the celebration of seasonality, the celebration of like a kind of a values-based uh, business. Uh, it's if they haven't done it, it's it's got to be frightening or a little bit, you know. There's there's barriers. So what you're trying, totally. so you're trying to demystify that for people then. Mm -hmm. really to lower that barrier of entry for people to say, you don't have to go all in. You can start with one farmer relationship. You can start on the smallest scale. You can start introducing your customers to a new flower every month that's grown locally or, you know, highlighting a local arrangement every once in a while. It doesn't because I, there is fear and, you know, all of us get in habits and we do things the way we know how to do them. Mm -hmm. And then to say, hey, change the way you do things that, you know, that's scary. So this is this class is really to help people at whatever stage they're at, at the very beginning, if they've never sourced anything locally or if they, you know, are 50 percent in and they're like, I want to know what you do in the winter. I want to know what you do. How do you expand that? Right. So it's really for people at all ranges of the spectrum. 
Wow. Well, I also think that, um, you know, the timing couldn't be more perfect because uh, what I've picked up on all year is this panic in the floral industry about about sourcing and about, uh, you know, the access to flowers that may or may not be available now because of transportation and, you know, all of that. So those, it seems to me, I'm hearing from a lot of florists who are asking, who are joining Slow Flowers saying, I just want to find farmers. Like they've never mm-hmm. looked for farmers before. And I'm sure they're all, right. call- <laughs> there's a lot of people probably calling you and saying, how do you do it? Yep. So now you can say, well, hey, there's this fabulous totally. six week course you can take. <laughs> but, and, yep. and I, Lisa, I should ask you to jump in because I feel like Ellen's course is in some ways a farmers should take it because it will help them understand how to market to people like Ellen. Are you seeing that among farmers? Yes. And so funny because when I sat with her um, syllabus that we all have, um, and there are so many topics in here that would help the flor- the farmer market to the florist and to help them. Because what I wrote by class three, which is the class of building the relationships with the local growers, I found that to be, you know, I found that to be the most challenging for my commercial customers. I sold to 23 fairly high volume florists. So I had a wide spectrum and they were all gun shy. You know, they don't know. It's like, and you know, I can talk to a wall. So I'm not intimidated by that. I'm just in there chatterboxing to them. This is what you have to <laughs> she do. She talked and to I them was, until they said, fine, we'll buy just, your I'll buy whatever you have. <laughs> it's true. But it's like, I will help you through this. Do not worry about it. You know, just call me up and we'll figure it out. There's no right or wrong way. But I totally see Ellen's course being a marketing niche for farmers to find their way to these people. Because I really believe that on the florist side of this, this is almost like, the florist born again thing, you know, I mean, they need to like come out of where they are mm-hmm. and convert. Um, <laughs> this is the marketing future. Yeah. I mean, I just, I see it as the most tremendous opportunity in the flower industry um, for florists to now have somebody to help them get to this next level. Well, it seems to me, I'm, I'm thinking about the column that Ellen has written, uh, for ASCFG, you've written a column for many years about this whole mm-hmm. conversation of the relationship with the farmer, right? Yep. We have a, um, Laura Beth Resnick from Butterbee Farm and I have a column in the ASCFG and we have for four or five years now, comes out, you know, four times a year. And it is, right, a relationship between, or sort of a, a, a spotlight on the relationship between a farmer and a florist and all of the things that go into that, whether it's, you know, just regular sourcing partnerships, classes that we do together, challenges that we have, weather issues, uh, sharing team members. There's lots of things that go into that article. Um, but it is to, again, try to help farmers and florists who are part of the ASCFG realize that those rich relationships are not just fun and make your designs look more interesting. They're good for business. They're good for your business. And this is really a business class. This is to Mm -hmm. say you can change how your business is with local flower sourcing. And you're, you're kind of taking away the fear factor and 
you know, addressing the pain points, which are this concern that the, you know, if I make this switch, you know, overnight, I'm not going to have the flowers I really want. And you're kind of easing people through the process. They can't. Yeah, totally. And we talk all about backup plans and, you know, every, every, I have a backup plan. I've been doing this for 13 years. I always have a backup plan. If there's a hurricane, if there's a blizzard, if there's, you know, COVID, we always have a backup plan. And we teach people how to put those backup plans in place so that, you know, you're, you don't have to be afraid. That's, that's the number one thing. I remember when we first started out, I can distinctly remember calling Dave Dowling every two or three days and saying, what are you going to have available in a month? And he was like, I don't know. Stop calling me. This is not how it works. Whatever you think is how it works, this is not how it works. And I had such anxiety and such fear because I had these commitments and people had paid me money and I had to make sure that I had flowers. And I didn't, I wasn't able yet because the relationships were not strong enough yet. It was a young, a, young concept. Right. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't trust it. I couldn't trust the relationship yet. I couldn't trust the process yet. And so I'm trying to help people who are not ready to trust the process yet. That's a good way of putting it. Just make small steps. Well, I want to share a link to um, uh, the your, your I think you've been on the podcast twice before. I'll go back and look. But I I'll, think so. I would like to share links to the kind of full story of local color flowers um, so people can go back and hear it. But maybe just for new listeners, um, you can just give us a, a quick a quick little summary of how did you birth this business and how did you have this value so early on in your business? Yeah, I'm not, um, you know, I had no background in flowers. I, my background is, a, is in affordable housing development. So I worked in construction for many years. I always lived in a city. I didn't have any farm connection. So for those people out there that are like, I can never make the switch, you can definitely make the switch. Um, so, you know, I worked at a farm and a farmer's market just for fun with my friends very early on. And we met flower farmers that we enjoyed being around and talking to. And um, pretty quickly, I learned that I did not want to farm. I did farm for many years, and it really was not a good fit for me. Um, But I knew that I liked being with the farmers. I liked being outside. I liked learning about flowers. I liked doing design. And, you know, we had friends that were getting married, so it made sense, like a lot of people's stories, to do the flowers for those weddings. Um, But what didn't make sense to me is the idea of buying those flowers from a wholesaler when we knew flat farmers personally who were saying to us, we don't know how to get our flowers out to the public. We don't know how to sell these or market these. It didn't make sense for us then to say, okay, we're going to go to a wholesaler and buy flowers from somewhere we don't know. Anonymously. Yeah, let's just buy flowers from our friend John, who we like and who we've been to his farm and harvested his flowers for him. Um, that made sense. And so after doing that as a hobby for you know a few years, we were like, well, maybe other people are into this. If we're into it, maybe other people are into it. And so when we started the company, there was no real question about should we source a different way? It It never... You know, I always say, like, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? Like, we didn't have any fear. We didn't have any, you know, no one was telling you. Yeah, no one was telling you it was wrong. 
Yeah. No, I mean, we just thought this makes sense. And, you know, part of the class, I'll just say the first class, the first part of the course is really about the history of the floral industry and farmer florists in the United States. And we didn't know then that we were part of a rich history of people who had done this for hundreds of years in this country. That was the norm until 70 years ago. So what people then looked at us and said, oh, that's a weird model. That's not, that's different. That's countercultural today. It, we didn't know then that that was the history of the industry. Wow. Yeah. We just thought, let's do it the way we think we can do it and, and move forward. Mm. And so, you know, we started just doing weddings and we did that for several years where we just did it during the field season. Um, you know, for us, that was about April to October and we had other jobs and, you know, mm-hmm. but after a few years, I was like, this is really great. This is so much better than doing construction. Like, why am I still in a full-time job in an office when I could be doing this? So what had to happen in order for us to really, for me to quit my job and do this full-time was to figure out winter sourcing right. and winter sourcing is a big deal. It still is a big deal. Um, and so it took me a few years to really put those relationships in place before I could say, okay, we're a full-time year-round business um, that can do weddings and do subscriptions and do classes all year long. Mm -hmm. Um, So Local Color Flowers, would you describe yourself as a full-service flower shop? You're retail, right? So weirdly, we only do two days of retail for a total of eight hours. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't understand (laughs) that. So our studio is um, in a residential neighborhood. It's near the farmer's market, the city farmer's market. And um, we are open for retail during the farmer's market. That's Saturday, 8 to noon. And then for an open studio, Wednesday, 4 to 8. And that's it. And really, we've just sort of forced people to come during those hours. That's really (laughs) healthy. I mean, that's a great strategy because then you're not chained to this desk all the time. Totally. We never intended to be, you know, a nine to five open all the time kind of shop. We do weddings, we do classes, we do garden club talks. You know, we're doing a million things and we're a small staff and financially it didn't really make sense to like pay somebody to sit somewhere. Mm -hmm for eight hours a day waiting for somebody to walk in and buy something. Right. So instead we said, okay, we hear you. You want to come in, you want to experience the shop, you want to experience the flowers, but let's just limit, limit when you can do that. Yes. And that has worked perfectly for us. It's, it's the best, the best decision because it gives us the opportunity to still do retail, but also to do these other things that happen during the day Um, and also, you know, allows me to go on a bike ride if it's a nice day. Like, you know, this is a lifestyle business. So I, you know, I want the business to work for me, not just me work for the business. Wow. I think that that message will come through when you teach the course too, because there's, Mm -hmm. um, there, well, I'm going to include the, the classes, the list of the classes, Mm -hmm. uh, in our show notes. Uh, there's six courses. Um, and within each class, there's a lot of sessions. So we were not going to go granular on that. Sure. You have to take the course to get that information. Yes. Um, but I do think that uh, you're you're really showing people how you've created um, a business that meet, that matches your values. And you mentioned mm-hmm. about taking a bike ride. Like there is this sort of 
philosophy that you're you've infused through local color flowers about community about relationships and i think that's why people in your in your town i mean your people they right. want to come hang out with you and and i think that is really the I think that's part of the secret sauce, Mm -hmm. right? Like part of one whole class um, in the course is about finding your people, spending time marketing to your people, serving your people, because we don't need to, I mean, I always say this, like we don't need to market to the masses. They're not right for us and we're not right for them. We have a small group of people that love us and we love them. And I think when businesses focus in on that niche of people, that's where they find success. That's where they find, you know, their heart sings because they're providing a service and a product that people love and that they love back. Um, And so Mm, I don't know. I think that is part of the part of the secret is like you don't have to try to be everything to everyone because you'll never be able to do that. None of us, any business cannot do that and succeed. The way you succeed is narrow your market, narrow your people, dig down in that niche and really find the people that want what you have to offer. Mm. Wow. Amen. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, so class is so fun. I'm ready to sign up right now. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Ellen, um, you are um, kind of in the pre pre launch right now, right? And so maybe we should ask Lisa to just talk about some of the mechanics and yes. say that uh, Ellen is giving away one course to a listener of the podcast, and we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a promotion. So you have to listen for the end of the show. I'll have all the details. But this is a real this is a real game changer, and um, I thank you for your generosity because this is going to I think hopefully just get one person to the next level. Then everyone else who wants to join in, you guys can come too. But I I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're sharing the love with one with one listener. But uh, Lisa, can you just talk about some of the housekeeping stuff and uh, so I don't get it wrong? Uh, you're sure. going to open the course registration at a particular time, right? Sure. Um, It only opens once a year because it is a six week long class, which um, is very, the instructors are always very active um, interacting with students. So we just do it once a year. Um, Registration for enrollment is open November 16th through the 20th. That's only five days. Wow. Okay. The course is $495 and you have unlimited lifetime access to that course. And The school will actually start January 4th is when your first class um, of six is loaded into your online library. And for anyone that has never partaken in an online course, what happens is it's just like buying a book but it's better. So instead of, (laughs) it's a talking book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But instead of picking up your book, you can just pick up any device that has internet access and you log in to your online library. And when you log in, that's where your sessions and your classes are and any PDF downloads and the resources. Um, And then each Monday for a total of six, um, a new, group of sessions, many sessions make up a class and 
can watch them at your own pace. However, Ellen will be doing a weekly um, Q&A coaching session on Sunday evenings. So you have all week to watch the class from Monday and then Sunday night. She's going to be taking your questions um, and interacting. We also also provide a closed Facebook group where students can come together to build community, to share. Ellen will be popping in and out of there. Um, and it's just really a very a much more interactive environment than a lot of people think. Um, but my goal for our courses is that our instructors that our students have access to our instructors to be able to feel like they can get all their questions answered. We really kind of like don't leave any rock unturned. Mm -hmm. um, so one way or another, if you have a specific question, it will be answered. Um, so, and then you have access to that, you know, next year and the year after and the year after. And I think people don't really get the value of that. And I can, 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 can personally attest to this because I took a course to build online courses three years ago. I am currently going through that course again, myself and my IT person. And it's like, I'm watching a whole new course because things that really didn't apply to my business at the point in time, I didn't really take in. And that's exactly how mm. these schools are. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just really, really tremendous. I think that the the fabulous thing also is you're getting all these hours of instruction from Ellen, but the fact that Ellen, you're going to be available for this kind of week to week check in with students, even though, I mean, it couldn't be any other way, but through Facebook because, or some platform, because it, you can't require people to come together for six weeks. That would, that would, that would disrupt people's lives. So you're making it accessible in, in a very convenient way. So it is actually Zoom that we use for the Q&A. So people do not have to be a Facebook user to be able to interact in those weekly coaching sessions. Okay, so they're going to be like the three of us right now. They'll get to see mm -hmm. Ellen and 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 yeah. get to know her and she'll get to know them. Yep. Yeah, so Thank Ellen. Thank for technology, ladies. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. What I think is going to be fun is that people are going to be, be like, okay, Ellen, it's January 6th. Show us what you're designing <laughs> with right now, lady. <laughs> That's going to be great. That's yeah. going to be so fun. That's I'm excited to share all of those details with people. Yeah, because that is like, what a clever time to start. It's the depth, the, the, the cha most challenging month for any florist. Totally. Oh, yeah. and then you'll kind of wrap it up around Valentine's right Day. Right around Valentine's Day. You'll be ready to start the year with your local flower sourcing. Wow. I think this is great. Honestly, congratulations to both of you. It's a brilliant idea. It's um, no one has done this in a course or a book as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, it, I mean, lots of articles have been written. Lots of interviews have been discussed about sort of how to find local flowers from the florist point of view and how to market to florists from the farmer's view. But this is kind of bringing it all into a juice, just a juicy package. So I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Well, I have, I'm inspired and I, I think our listeners will be. I, I, I think the fact that you guys helped me come, come along and see the value of kind of two audiences, both the florist who was your original you know, intention, but then it may be applicable to the farmer who really wants to go after that wholesaling to florists, like that particular totally. niche. Yeah. I think it will 
definitely helps set farmers apart. I mean, every market is different, but we here in Maryland, like we have a very saturated flower world. There's lots of people growing flowers. And if you like really understand how to market to florists and know what they're looking for and know how to, you know, work with them, I think that is going to set you apart. Yeah. It's a game changer. That's Mm -hmm. exciting. Um, Well, I hope, Ellen, that you'll share some new photos uh, for me to put in our show notes of what you're doing. Um, I actually posted yesterday your bouquet that is in the Slow Flowers Journal. And it was so, it was so, I'm just working chronologically through the book. So it was just (laughs) simpatico that that happened. Awesome. So we'll put that in the show notes too, so people can see. Perfect. Yeah, we love that bouquet. Oh my gosh, it's stunning. Um, and thank you both for, for this wonderful conversation. We'll do it again. Um, Lisa, can you just give us a, a snapshot of what's on deck for you? Uh, I know you've got a lot of something going all the time. Sure. <laughs> so, um, so, of course, Ellen's new course coming out. And we also have um, another course that's coming online at the same time as Ellen's. Um, it's a part of the Flower Farming School series, and it's growing cut flower crops in hoop and greenhouses. And that is with Gretel and Steve Adams of Sunny Meadows Flower Farm. And oh my goodness, if there was, they have 17 structures that they grow Oh, I've in. been there. It's it's like, it's a farm. It is a farm. It's they big. actually have two locations and they're just, and I mean, not to mention they're the cutest couple you have just ever seen. I mean, they're just such precious people and such great instructors. And so their course is going to, the registration is during the same time as Ellen's and it starts in January. And that'll be, that's like the next step for a lot of flower farmers. Um, There's a lot of, in my experience, there's a lot of flower farmers out there that kind of got ahead of their self, purchasing structures and not really knowing what to do yet. And um, Steve and Gretel are really going to connect the dots for folks. Um, So you can, if you go to the gardenersworkshop.com and just go to these individual course pages, there's a get notified button on each page, which means you get on that instructor's email list. And that way you'll get resources that they send out and we won't let you miss registration. We'll, we'll, we'll be dinging you. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think there's some really like amazing connection between what Ellen's teaching and then to have, you know, she wants more people with greenhouses filled with ranunculus, right? We're like the perfect, (laughs) the perfect combination because you can grow all the stuff in greenhouse and if nobody's buying it locally in the winter, what are you going to do with it? Right. You're a florist who wants to buy local and nobody's growing in a greenhouse. What are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, Perfect combination. Yeah, because otherwise these worlds are not connecting. So uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And um, they're actually, uh, Gretel and Steve just, uh, shared an article about growing ranunculus and anemones that we posted um, uh, at on the Slow Flowers Journal uh, online uh, magazine. So I'll share a link to that too, um, because it, that's that's going to be a hot course too. And yeah. Helen, uh, coming, you told me when we, before we started recording, and we're recording on October twentieth that you have had not had a frost yet, but this is like you're watching the watching the, the thermometer. So, what yep. will happen for you? What what when there is a frost? Do you lose some of your farms then uh, for the season? For sure. Mm-hmm. So we, um, you know, we 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 go with the flow. Um, 
So we do have um, several farmers, probably the majority of our farmers that we only buy from during field season. So up until frost. Sure. And then once frost hits, we sort of pivot again. And we have been, you know, through September and early October, reaching out to our winter growers, reconnecting with them. And these are growers who, you know, we specifically, they know, I mean, it's not like a surprise. I'm not going to buy in the summer. They know that we're going to come back after frost and we're going to buy right through usually Mother's Day or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're building, you know, sort of rebuilding those relationships early September, October. And then once frost hits, we start making orders with those new growers. And those are growers who have heated greenhouses, who have more structures, who have evergreens and flowering branches and things like that. So mm-hmm. we um, we sort of make that change uh, for the next few months. I was thinking that your botanical palette really does change. And that's totally. that whole, the whole expression of seasonality is what you do anyway. So Mm-hmm. And I think that is like, for me, like one of the most fun parts of our job, like our work. And I think as part of the class, I think it also helps people feel confident that they don't, that they can change their designs with the seasons, that they don't have to always have peonies or always have ranunculus. Like you can really make beautiful, high-end, unique arrangements with winter stuff. And So we love the winter because it really, we feel so proud of our winter growers and our winter work. And yeah, Yeah. so we, you know, it's always a little, the transition is always a little bit hard because the field growers are always very excited to get a break and we're always (laughs) very anxious for the break never to come. Right. But, but everything you design is an opportunity to educate your customers and Mm -hmm. uh, and you've got this core a loyal customer who already understands it. But when you bring new people in, they get to hear the story. Mm -hmm. Okay, ladies. Well, this has been wonderful. I'm so delighted to have this chance to to get on, on the screen with you and hear what's happening with this new course. Ellen, congratulations. And Lisa, congratulations for being so brilliant as to, uh, you know, recruit Ellen and we'll, uh, we'll get everybody um, the details in the show notes about how to enter the giveaway. Uh, And you'll, one person will get to be part of this course as a thank you gift from Ellen. So thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Deborah, for having us. You bet. Okay. Take care, you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today for another fabulous and motivating conversation. If you want to add your name to the giveaway drawing for one free registration to Ellen's new course, be sure to post a comment about your local flower sourcing tip in today's show notes for episode 477. As we discussed, the online course begins in early January. What a fabulous gift this will be for one of our listeners. But what a fabulous gift this will be for anyone who registers. Florists who want to change up their methods and flower farmers who want to learn how to market to florists. And heads up, this is the final week to participate in the 2021 Slow Flowers member survey. We will close the survey link and end the giveaway promotions on October 31st, midnight Pacific time. You'll find the link in today's show notes. And to thank you for sharing your time to take the survey, we'd like to send you an etched Slow Flowers Society Botanical Bookmark. 
and enter your name into the drawing for one free registration to the 2021 Slow Flowers Summit, valued at $599. But you must give us your name and contact information to receive the bookmark and enter the drawing. If you choose to respond anonymously, that's fine too, but we can't bestow our gifts. This is the final week that you can sign up for my first online course, Slow Flowers Creative Workshop, Floral Storytelling. The course begins November 1st, so check out links and take advantage of the $200 introductory promo code, meaning you can enjoy this course for just $97. It includes three modules, 11 lessons, six worksheets, and three writing templates. I'm excited to see you in the course. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Rooted Farmers, which works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers into the hands of floral customers. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 653,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprincing.com. Our final sponsor thank you goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.